Welcome back to the Everyday Story Podcast. I'm Ben Armstrong. And I'm Jack Clem. And we're here today with a, a very special friend, Pastor Chad. And uh, I know him from our days together at uh, seminary. I, I was the teacher, he was the student. And uh, as well, got to know his family quite well and became uh, not just a teacher-student relationship, but uh, really developed into a friend-to-friend relationship. So uh, Pastor Chad is now in Franklin, Tennessee, working with uh, Way FM Ministry, a radio station there, and we were going to just uh, pepper him with questions and get him to tell us about what's going on there and how uh, God is blessed and brought him to this wonderful ministry and and uh, what's being accomplished there. So we've got a couple of questions, just some spitball, you know, round kind of questions to get going. So uh, Ben, go ahead, you, you start uh, introducing those questions. Yeah, so, you know, here on the Everyday Story podcast, we we kind of three main objectives. We want to help people read the story well. We believe the Bible is authoritative and it's um, the most comprehensive story of reality. And then we want to equip people to live well wherever they are, and we want them to be responsible actors of God's story. And then we want uh, people to learn well, and that's what today's episode's about. We want to listen and learn from other Um, people that are living in God's story, where they are at and what life looks like for them and how God has um, caught them up into his story. And so that's that's what we wanna learn today. We wanna learn well from you, Pastor Chad. So if you could start out just in like five to 10 minutes, um, what's your story? Where did you come from? How did you get to where you're at? And how uh, did God call you into his story? I have to start out at the beginning of that story of where, God in his sovereignty um, saw fit to shine on me who um, grew up in a very moral Roman Catholic home and um, and through that morality um, was pointed to the gospel for the first time and seeing that my good deeds were not enough, but I really need something beyond that and I needed Jesus. And so at the age of 15, um, and by that time, um, at 15 already experimenting with drugs and alcohol and getting into some trouble, but by God's grace, able to um, be lifted out of that by means of his grace and the gospel and, and really set me in a trajectory. Um, and, and I love how you started this out, aligning me with his story and really where he was wanting to lead me. And so, um, shipped off to Bible college and in a environment that was totally out of my realm. Um, (laughs) I I went to a Bible college that was quite strict and yet I was the preacher boy kid who wore the baggy pants and really (laughs) um, defied the odds of what a preacher boy should look like. And yet, um, God was doing something even back then at a young age, even, you know, at 18 and 19, like God was, was, was put, putting a message in me that it wasn't about what you look like. It wasn't necessarily even the groups you hung out with, but it, it came down to, to your heart and, and really working into, into me that, um, I, I cannot put God's people in a box of they have to look this way and they can only do these certain things. And so 
went to Bible college. And then um, from there, that took me on an experience up to seminary. I remember the first time visiting in Virginia Beach, the first time um, I sat at Dr. Clem's table and um, and I just was blown away because here I was honestly expecting the Hebrew professor to be someone I had <laughs> nothing in common with. Um, and yet, uh, I, I still remember that first time um, I had worked in several coffee shops and and done um, some various things that he and I just um, hit it off the very first time. And um, that was part of the experience that really pushed me in the direction of I knew this was where I needed to go to seminary and spend a lot of time. Would you say that it's fair to say that Dr. Clem is not your average Hebrew professor? <laughs> he is not. <laughs> well, when he starts norms. talking about Hebrew, I get lost in it. I, I'm not the... <laughs> Yeah. I, I was not the star Hebrew student that I should have been, but yeah. um, but at the heart of it, his heart really resonated with where I'm at. Yeah. No, that's a, that's very true. We we did hit it off quite nicely, and uh, and then of course you have to let everybody know you uh, you wore the black apron at Starbucks, right? You were I did. I I was a Starbucks barista, but I was also a coffee master back in the day, and so yeah. um, that that really helped our relationship grow leaps and bounds right there alone. Oh, yeah. the copy piece. Yeah. Well, then as well, you and uh, Melody, who eventually became your wife, uh, you guys helped us a lot with recruiting. And uh, I remember the uh, the meals that you guys would make and uh, just to, you know, put on a really just good show of hospitality to the students who were coming in and uh, create that family-like atmosphere that we wanted to have for the students as they came to seminary. So those were some sweet times. Enjoyed them so much. They were, and it was a time of of growing um, for us in seminary. I one of the other reasons I I chose the seminary that I did was it was I was not looking to go be a seminary professor. I wasn't necessarily looking to get my doctorate or write a book or any of those things. My focus was to serve people in the church, and uh, one of the things that the seminary sold me on was the fact of. Um, we are very much about academics and and they did a great job and there is a lot of emphasis and that's a lot of um, thanks to Dr. Clem and his vision when he was the dean while I was there and really led that effort. But then also the practical elements of ministry. And when I was on staff there, they had a staff pastor at the time. Um, his name was um, Tim Valentine, and um, he was a church planter, and he was very much of the practical, let's serve, what does it look like, hands-on in the church, and um, and that impacted me in, in so many ways, so much so that um, Tim, Tim not only became my mentor, but followed him to um, plant churches after that, so yeah. once I graduated from seminary, I left and we planted our first church in Lexington, Kentucky um, 14 years ago. Wow. 14 years ago. That's amazing yeah. to think about that. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know. But that was great. I mean, that was, um, that was a time when uh, a real heart was uh, pulsating within the seminary student body for church planting. And uh, Tim is a great cheerleader for that and a great example. A lot of practical wisdom that he had, godly man. And uh, yeah, and so you went to, you went to Kentucky. And then from there, you went and planted another church. 
Yeah, we were, we planted the church in Kentucky. We were there for four years. Um, the church became self-sufficient and was doing well. And so that church actually sent us to back to Colorado, which is where I'm from. And we planted in South Denver, um, our second church plant in a part of the city called Centennial. And so we were in Centennial, Colorado for six years, planted a church there. And um, we were part of several church planning networks and able to really um, do a great work, I believe there. Um, in fact, the church is still going there. And um, and some of you know people who are a part of that church as well, and they're doing a great job. Um, but, well, in, adi- in addition to that um, church planting effort, one of the things that I was always impressed with was your ability to network with other pastors and to try to be an encouragement to them. You know, you have a, a real open-hearted sort of open hand love and concern for them. So that was that was part of that work as well, uh, as I recall it. Yeah, we. I've always had the idea that this is God's church and, and unfortunately not all pastors have that idea. It's, it's, it's very much about, these are my people don't touch. And not that we were stealing people, but more of really desiring networking among other pastors to say, we are doing this together. And it's not, it's not my church. It's not your church. It's, it's Christ church. And, and together God's going to do it. We're, we're better together than we are apart. So how can we continue to collaborate and come together. Um, God, and God used some great leaders in our life there. Uh, we would get together um, quarterly with a group of men just to talk about mission. Like, how are we going to serve our city well? What are we doing to serve our city? And and these were men um, of from different denominations and backgrounds. And it was never about, is my theology the same as your theology or am I doing it the same way you're doing it? But, mm-hmm. but more let's collaborate and let's talk and let's, let's move forward together um, as the body of Christ and not, not individually. And, mm-hmm. and we, there is a, uh, and, and I, I love how you stood this out, just talking about the story of God. And I think that really is what changed my perception of the church as we began to see that mm-hmm. um, the church is it, the church is just a part of God's story. And my little church plant is just even a tinier speck in God's story. Mm-hmm. So why why take myself so serious that it's about me and it's right. about um, about my fame? And, and really that's counterproductive to the fact that we're trying to make Jesus the hero and we're trying to make God um, the centerpiece of all that we're doing. So learning how to live well in that story has definitely mm-hmm. changed my ecclesiology. It's changed the way I, mm-hmm. I interact with other pastors and, and just the desire to continue to network and, and want to share in that experience. Yeah. So life was just really easy going, wasn't it? Uh, no challenges, uh, you know, no no um, upside down sort of looks at life. So, is that right, or do do I have that wrong? Do I did I forget that piece of the oh, story? Yeah. Life, <laughs> the life of a church planner. Um, something I realized is church planting. I, I joke because our kids are all about a year apart for one another, but there's a one little gap in there. And it was when we planted our second church. Um, I say something got birthed during that time, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't another kid. It was the, a church and it took some time. Um, and, and the thing you realize is that it it is like a kid and it is something that has different phases to it. And, and you treat it differently at different points. And, and even your 
role in that relationship is different. Um, the mm-hmm. same way my role with my kids now who are teenagers is a lot different than when they were one or two years old. I, I, I don't talk to them the same. I don't have the same responsibilities. I don't have to dress them. Um, life looks a lot different. And, and for me as a church planter, that was a little bit of an awakening for me. Um, mm-hmm. Something that happened was, I began to question my gifting in that time. Mm. Um, when you're when you're starting a church, you're doing a lot of things. Um, you're 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 the guy who's making the copies. You're the guy who sets up the chairs. You're the guy who does everything. You and your family, mm-hmm. and the other core families who are with you. As the church matures, your your job begins to change, and your role begins to change. And and what I began to realize was I was called to church planting, but I w- wasn't really sure if I was called to be a lead church planter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that or not church planter, a lead pastor. Sorry lead about pastor. that. Yeah, yeah. Because that role is very different. And right. the one thing that I noticed about my giftings and, and who I was as a person was that I love the meetings with people. Yes. I love, I love I love those days when I was able to be at Starbucks in 10 different meetings and and in connecting with people. I really struggled with the days that I was stuck just mm-hmm. studying for three or four days for a sermon or whatever it may be. Um, and just beginning to examine myself of who I was. Um, I knew at the, at that point in my life that I had interest in church planting, but because of the age of my kids and various things, I knew a third church plant wasn't going to be wise for my family mm-hmm. at that time. And, and so we began just to kind of do some soul searching and, and that led us to in the midst of our sabbatical after being there for six years to um, kind of come back from that church and say, I think it's time to step away from this role that we mm-hmm. have here. Um, I, I like preaching. I don't love preaching in mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. in, and for someone who was wanting to be in a lead pastor role, I think they really needed someone who loved preaching, who right. loved that, who loved those sort of things. Um, I wasn't necessarily as much about the role as I was about what I was doing. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I translated that into, I don't need to change the church to fit me. I need to maybe be the piece that changes mm-hmm. so that the church can move on successfully. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, that's really, that's really good. I think that uh, different seasons of life and ministry, um, you know, reveal to us really what our giftings and our calling is. And uh, so there was never, a, you know, you were, you were committed to ministry, but just in terms of where do I fit in this puzzle of ministry. So you took some time off and then eventually joined another church staff. Yeah, we, um, from there, we went and helped out another church planter, but more in a role. My my role there was um, the pastor discipleship mm-hmm. and really just the opportunity to help them to um, disciple their team and their church to be a group of people who are, were also making disciples, that mm. they were reaching their community missionally, that they were engaging each other um, in a way of living as family with one another. And and um, so I was there for a couple of years um, that, that had its own struggles with it. And, mm. and you begin to see that 
that was the first time that I wasn't the one in charge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and, and you begin to see other sides of ministry that are a little eye-opening. And um, I could definitely say there was a lot of repentance on my side of things in the sense of possibly how I as a leader treated other people in past mm-hmm. ministries and how um, and how I probably wasn't as gracious as, as they should, having been on the other side of that, of sitting under another leader. And so it, it was a good opportunity. Um, it's taken me a while to say that, to say yeah. that it was good um, because in the moment I didn't, in the moment, it didn't seem good. It seemed like, what mistake or what did I step into? Um, mm-hmm. Now I could see when you look at things through the through the scope of story, you see that this was a piece of God's story that led me to the next piece. Mm-hmm. And if I just try to remove that piece of the story, the other pieces of the story don't fit into right. it. Where I'm at now would never have happened in um, in in and God wouldn't have been able to do the work he was going to do in my own heart, in our family's heart. And the reason, and the reason I say that is that piece of the story, when we were, we were at that church for two years and the people were amazing and, and it it just wasn't the right fit. And when we left that church though, something happened within our family that kind of wrecked us for the next several years. Um, my wife stepped away from the church. She stepped away from her walk with the Lord. Um, mm. and, and, and it was, it was a, it, it was a time. I wouldn't say of crisis, but it was definitely a time of reflection. It was mm-hmm. something that we were in the midst of counseling. Uh, we weren't having marital issues. We were having faith issues in our home. And, mm. and for the first time in my life, I, this, this, woman who I married. She graduated um, from the same seminary I did. Um, she she has known the Lord and loved the Lord. All of a sudden wants nothing to do with God. And her rationale in the midst of that was, it's I could handle it when the sheep disappoint us or when the sheep mm-hmm. do something that inf- inflicts pain on us. But I struggle with these are God's leaders. And if they're inflicting the pain, if they are the ones who are are creating trouble for us and being dishonest. How do I deal with that? These are, these are the people who are the representatives of God um, to the church. How, how do I, how do I correspond those ideas together? And so uh, for her, it was a journey and it was a journey for myself along with her Mm -hmm. because I didn't, I didn't marry an unbeliever. I didn't know what this looked like. And now here I am with five kids and a wife who, who despises God at the moment. Um, and we'll say it and was open and, and, and I appreciate her, her humility to be very open about it. It wasn't something she hid. She said, I am mad at God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. So how did that, how did that resolve for you all? How did you, you know, you're obviously that's not Melody's ongoing state of mind, but uh, how did how did the Lord bring you out of that, or how did that uh, come to a better resolution? It it took time, it took prayer, and it took patience. And I think if there's anyone struggling right now through that, or struggling with a loved one who is struggling like that, I would say 
don't rush it. Mm. <laughs> um, the time was the key piece. And I think it would, and, and I think that's what she needed as well. Um, I, I needed to be able to say, it's okay. Like, it's okay for you. I, I had said this to others in the church many times over. It's okay for you to have doubts. Right. It's okay for you not to have the answers. And I've had to say it to myself. It's okay for you to be mad at God at something. Um, mm. and, and I tell people that all the time now, like mm-hmm. the Psalms are full of those types of stories it's 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 speaking to god god you know and, and questioning god's mm-hmm. work and questioning god's the things that are going on around them and i i like to tell people god's shoulders are so big and so broad he could handle your questioning right. he could yeah. handle your doubts he can handle your fear right. um and and that's what we really had to do in that moment was allow melody the space to fear to be mad and to work through that. Um, And, and what happened, it wasn't through me pushing or preaching at her or any of those sort of things. It was, she, during that time was also COVID kind of kicked in. And so um, like everyone else, we were stuck at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had resorted to, we had been part of a church um, during that time. And it was different than our normal tradition but the preaching had just been very good. And uh, honestly, (laughs) after being someone who preached in Baptist kind of circles and was a, I am a very consistent, like 45 minute preacher. Like (laughs) it doesn't matter how many notes I come into the pulpit with, it will be 45 minutes, no matter what I could come in with, with three sentences and it will still be 45 minutes long. Uh Oh, I was impressed that this pastor 25 minutes like he he said what he needed to say in that amount of time it was good it was powerful and it was never about the length of the sermon and it was really convicting back at me but during that time um and, and and walking through covid we had actually um he was preaching through the book of um of esther oh really and and preaching through that about a book that has no mention of God, where is God in the midst of this? And that was precisely the message that my wife needed to be mm. taking in is where is God in the midst of that? Of mm. course, he's applying it to COVID and some other thing and the racial tension and a lot of things that are going on. But for us, it was where is God in the midst of all these things that have been going on in our life? And um, and in, in, I take no glory in me doing anything. In fact, I still remember it was Mother's Day weekend. And um, after we had watched the Sunday, we had watched the Sunday service, um, Melody began to say, I feel that was the first time I felt like the spirit is really speaking to me again. Oh, and how really sweet working is that? In, working mm-hmm. in my heart. Like, and so mm-hmm. I, there's nothing, there was no opportunity for me to be like, yeah, I really preached her back into the faith or anything <laughs> like that. It was the, it was God's spirit. And he is, is showing us that he is there. And, and then it doesn't mean our, you know, everything is great and perfect. There's still a struggle. There's still a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but God is, is bringing healing to that and really speaking into that. And, and I'm still trying my best because I tend to be a meddler, um, mm. trying not to meddle in that relationship between her and the Lord, but allowing her to still mm-hmm. work through that and, and come through that um, because it's the Spirit's work, not my. Right. No, I'm glad to hear that. I'm, I remember we, we met here in Virginia Beach kind of in the midst of that, that struggle and, 
And I remember you sharing with me a little bit of what that was going on. So, but it seems all of these events of the past, the story, the struggle, the church plant, um, the training, uh, and, you know, and then of course you're you're just uh, you're you're a, an amazing man. You're sort of like the Renaissance guy who can cook and you can. Uh, I don't know about cleaning, but you can cook and you can, uh, your carpentry skills are, are really well defined. And, and uh, you know, so just the abilities that you have seems to have prepared you well for what you're doing right now at Way FM. So tell us a little bit about what that is and what you're doing. Yeah, I, um, through that journey that led us to connect with Way FM. And I serve here as the prayer and outreach pastor. We are a we are a radio station and we're actually coast to coast. We're about um, 20 radio stations from all the way from Portland down into Florida. And so we have kind of a really, we have a really broad network of cities that we are in right now. And, and what happened and what's part of that story is as a radio station and a lot of radio stations do this, they have a prayer ministry and um, several years back, it was, I, I believe it was about five years ago, our radio station became convicted that we have this prayer ministry, but no one's really praying for the people that are writing in. And so mm. our president at the time, he stepped out in faith and hired um, our first prayer pastor to pray, to pray for our listeners and come alongside our DJs who were really people were writing into the DJs, emailing them and expecting them to offer them spiritual care. Um, our DJs are great. They, um, they love the Lord, but they're not, their gifts and their is, is not pastoring or caring for people. Their, their gift is communication. And so um, they were trying their best. And, and so our, our president stepped out on faith, hired our first prayer pastor to come in, pray for people, start writing the people who are writing in um, and start doing a little bit of spiritual care. And what we found was in that time, a lot more people were needing spiritual care. Mm. Um, and as, as Way FM began to put effort into um, committing to praying for people, the Lord was bringing more people our direction. And so the prayer wall began to um, grow and we went from just praying for a thousand people to praying to several thousand people a year. I think right now, <clears throat> Uh, we're, we're praying for about 20,000 people, 20,000 requests come in a year. Wow. And, um, and my predecessor, um, Pastor Dave, he began a ministry of just um, pastoral care with those. And so he would take, he would not only pray for the people on our prayer wall, but he would begin to write some of those people daily who just needed encouragement. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we try to do at Way FM is we're not trying to be their counselors. This isn't mm-hmm. um, this isn't a back and forth relationship. We're just trying to encourage them where they are at. And so um, most of our spiritual care emails that we write people are are really filled with a lot of scripture. We're going to point them to the Lord. Uh, we're going to point them to God's word. Um, they're filled with some articles and things per, um, pertaining to the issues that they're dealing with. Um, we recommend a lot of articles from Focus on the Family and other organizations. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're just using what other good ministries are doing good work and and pointing people to articles, you know, uh, about 
parenting, about health issues, about how to deal with death, how to um, deal with a lot of these things. And then we're, we're working to come alongside the church and point people back to the church. And one thing I've, I've found in my ministry here at WayFM coming on as the prayer and outreach pastor is that there are a lot of people in our cities who have been hurt by the church. Mm. And that really resonated with me in a time of, of feeling hurt, seeing my wife extremely hurt in the church and being able to say, I, I, I don't have a problem God with your church. And I don't have a problem with, with how you do things. I want to help people. And, and I feel like I'm at a place where I can be that encourager um, the one who would come alongside along with the Holy Spirit and encourage people back to the church. They may have been hurt before. Um, they may have um, have doubt of the church. And, and there's a different different reasons for, for some of those things, but how can we point people back into a relationship to, to be cared for and, and reconnect with God's community? Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Ben, you've been quiet sitting alongside yeah. listening. What, so I've got a question. So yeah. I, I'm hearing like, you know, those statistics are staggering. And as you know, we're in pandemic, um, hopefully, you know, starting to emerge out of it, but who knows, um, you know, that, that seems even more urgent. What, one of the things we love to ask people, um, is, is what does a typical week look like? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I could go, uh, like, I have specific things that I do each day. I know for sure every Monday we sent out through our WayFM um, on our WayFM Facebook page. We just put out a question: How can we pray for you? Uh, we put that out every Monday night, and um, we advertise it on the radio to check into our um, Facebook page. Um, and that's just been exploding. Especially, that's something that kind of started over through the pandemic, and and it's been exploding in a in a social space where so many other negative things are going on. This is a place where people are able just to write in and say, um, like this week, pray for my mom who's on a ventilator because of COVID, or pray for um, my son who is going through a divorce and losing his kids. So very real issues that people are dealing with right there. And um, we're able to come alongside. And one of the most, one of the encouraging pieces of all this is not necessarily um, seeing people in need and wanting prayer, but it's the fact that we have created a, a community of people, not only to ask for prayer, but to other people to come around in prayer for those people. Mm. So, so on Facebook, you're able to see it obviously as underneath a, a, a prayer request, other people will say, I am praying for you right now. And you're able to see their faces and you're able to see their comments. But another feature we have on our prayer, on what we call the prayer wall at wayfm.com is um, you can choose to be notified every time someone prays for you. When you submit a prayer request, it asks you, would you like an email or a text message every time someone prays for you? And that is a key piece of the prayer ministry because what that does, it is encouraging people in the midst of their trial that others around the country are praying for them. You may get a text message saying someone in Franklin, Tennessee is praying for you right now. And, and the way that works is people go online to our website. You could read all the prayer requests on the prayer wall. And, and there's a button that says, I prayed for this. And you're just, and, and so it's not a, only a place for someone to go and seek help, but it's a place where others can go serve other people. 
Um, and, and it's an it's incredible thing to see when when God's community actually comes together. Um, I, I heard the story. Uh, one of our DJs, his name is Wally, and he was he he and I were doing this event together for um, for our major donors, and I was sharing the statistic that we average right now seventeen prayers 17 so you're if you leave a request on our website we are averaging that it will be prayed for at least 17 times a lot of times there'll be more but that's kind of the average number is 17 and he came up to me after that he goes i just got goosebumps because <laughs> i um had this man call into my to my show and he told me i left a prayer request on your guys's prayer wall once and i i was like I, I would get the notification. Oh, someone prayed for you. Someone prayed for you. And, and he's like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he said, he said it was on the 17th time that, that I finally was like, man, this is real. Like God's people are caring about me. God must care about me. And therefore like he, it renewed his faith in God. And so uh -huh. while he was telling me this and I'm just like, this is the power of prayer. It's not uh -huh. just about us getting people to pray for us. It is about us praying for other people. Yeah. Now, sorry, I, and I could go on talking forever, but let me just say this. I can tell you in the midst of my trials, I would be somewhere in a ditch, probably just so consumed with myself, worried about my own issues. But what has really brought me through all of this has been the opportunity to pray for other people mm. in the midst of COVID praying for other people who are on ventilators, praying for other people whose marriages are, are being destroyed right now because of pornography, being able to pray for other people who are struggling through um, parenting issues and all those sort of things. Like there's a, there's a certain power in praying for other people that has just has brought me out of the midst of being so consumed with myself and being able to just um, turn turn my heart back to the Lord and really want to serve Him and His church. That's awesome, Chad, Pastor Chad. That is that I got some goosebumps when you're telling that story as well. That's uh, that, that's exciting to hear that, and I I can sense how impactful that would be. When you get those kinds of notifications, and and you're right, prayer. What does prayer do? But it 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 gives us an outward, an upward, and an outward focus, and takes us, you know, takes our attention away from our own sinfulness and um, self centeredness. So that's that's an amazing story that uh, I'm going to hold on. To. I'm going to savor that one for a, a while. <laughs> I love that. Really good. Yeah. Question for you: If you know, we we love to talk about the story, God's story. Um, and we love to talk about the Bible a lot. And, you know, the it's one story made up from a bunch of different stories. And so uh, as you think about the Bible and, you know, you mentioned the story of Esther, are there, is there like a particular like favorite Bible story that you just really love and you go to a lot and that's been really impactful as you've, um, you know, walked with God? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I think the one that I've been reflecting on the most over this past year is the story of the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. um, the love of the father in the midst of that story has overwhelmed me. It brings me to tears. And it's a story of God's grace. And, um, and we live in a culture of blame. We live in a culture of pride 
and and that's just talking you know that's just talking about the church that's not even hitting the political piece of it right like um but really we all struggle with those issues and yet to see the the grace and the love and just the power of the gospel in the midst of that story it, it's incredible to me and um it, it's one that it, it's hard to get over for me mm-hmm. i think this is one of the benefits of a story approach to the scripture you know using sort of that grid we can see you know, what God is doing, what he started to do from creation all the way through redemption and restoration. And you know, to see the, that consistent um, heartbeat of the Lord in the most difficult, deplorable situations. I mean, even in the Esther story, you know, what, God was obviously active behind the scenes, but, but um, not, not proclaimed in a sense. And yet God was faithful to his people. The prodigal son indeed a wonderful story of God's redemptive grace in his love and, and just uh, assuring us we can come to him with whatever, you know, whenever, with whatever, and uh, we will not be rejected for in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, I'd be curious, as you look at all of these requests, uh, and you've mentioned COVID, you mentioned divorce and marriage situations and children, what else are you starting to discern about, you know, where people are, what sort of the the, the heaviness, the concerns that, you know, what are you learning about human nature and, and uh, the people of God as you interact with them through this prayer wall over, you know, really from coast to coast, as you've mentioned? Yeah, I, on this side of it, because I am speaking not from the leadership of a church, I can, I can mm-hmm. say on this side of it, I have been able to really pick up the, whether or not someone has real relationship within the church they go to Mm. and not just relationship with people, but is there a connection to the pastor, the leadership, someone else? And, um, and I think it speaks to the culture of some of our churches that it's about the performance. It's about the show, but is it about relationship? And I, um, as I think through the scripture and the story of God right now, I'm I'm reading through the Bible in a year, and I'm in Leviticus, and so it's 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 a little <laughs> heavy with with the 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 culture of worship. I guess would be the best way to say it. With yeah. all you know, this this week or just today, t- talking about the Day of Atonement and those sort of things, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking through that, that there's a lot of emphasis there. And yet that's not the whole story of scripture that speaks to God's holiness has Mm -hmm. set apartness. But what it doesn't speak to was that God was about a people. He was about a community of people. He, Mm -hmm. he worked through a people group. And, and so we can get caught up in, we could get caught up in the structures of church. And I think a lot of pastors and a lot of churches have done that. And, and I think one thing that COVID is revealing is there's something that's going to have to change because when those structures and your, and your performances are no longer, existence, what, what is left. And if there's no relationship with people there, um, Mm -hmm. it becomes very apparent. And, um, so hearing some of the stories of that through the prayer wall of, as we write people and we encourage them to the church and they're like, yeah, I had a church, but it just, 
it doesn't mean anything to me anymore because it doesn't right. meet or I don't really know anybody there. I don't have anybody to really reach out to personally. Um, it, it becomes very apparent. Yeah, no, that's true. We've, we've talked uh, on our podcast on different occasions about, you know, what, what will be the impact of COVID on the church and will people come back to church? And, and I think you see some of that uh, struggle uh, being played out now as, as, you know, it's more opportune to come back and there's a vaccine and, you know, we, we've seemed to know how to manage it, but, but will people come back? And then on the other side, I, I, I just hope churches will take an opportunity to evaluate, you know, what, what have we been doing, you know, pre-COVID and what has COVID taught us that we should maybe stop doing and maybe refocus and reorient uh, our, our approach to ministry? And, uh, you know, I, we, sometimes we overcomplicate ministry. I mean, and I appreciate the emphasis that you've brought to us in this podcast of uh, relationship, you know, relationship with one another, relationship with the Lord. And ministry is not really that complicated when you think about it. It's, it's really just building relationships with people and being available, being open, being transparent, uh, being real, being human, you know, and not uh, trying to put on a facade, you know, and try to be somebody that you're not. So, so um, it's, it's just really interesting to hear from you all these things you're learning and seeing, uh, you know, from people who many are probably unchurched, wouldn't you think? And um, not attending a church on a regular basis, but still wanting to have some contact with other believers wanting to hear the word, wanting to hear good music, wanting to be encouraged uh, just by uh, words of, of comfort along the way through the course of the day. For sure. And even as I write people, I'm very deliberate. I, I sign all my emails from Pastor Chad, and that's who I'm known as. And I could a joke about it because when I was in local church ministry, I refused to go by Pastor Chad. I was just, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted people to see me as as someone in the congregation, I wanted it to be very relational. And so they called me Chad. Um, yeah. But in this ministry here at WayFM, we've, I've been deliberate to try to be Pastor Chad because I, I want to be a bridge to other pastors or, or someone has had some sort of break in a relationship to hopefully encourage people back into the church that that you can trust that you can trust people again. And I realize that when there's been abuse or hurt or those sort of things, there's this doubt. But um, we have to get beyond it and realize we should expect that. Um, we should expect God's people are going to mess things up because right. um, you can't read the scripture without seeing that happen. Even in the scripture, it's not full of perfect people. They um, mess things up quite a bit, and mm -hmm. yet. Um, and so it should be the expected piece. And, and I say that coming from sharing the story that we're, we're our family struggling with that as well at times to see that they mess things up. Um, but, but to be that, to be that link and to be that encouragement to, to others back to the church to trust and know God's word is true and they can trust God's word. And, and hopefully that people will find a community uh, where they could, they could worship well. Mm -hmm. Well, we really appreciate you taking time to share your story and, and uh, how you've learned to live well in the midst of it all. I know you would, I know, knowing you well enough, you'd probably say, I'm, I'm learning, not have learned, but am learning uh, to live well in the midst of that. And, uh, and of course, uh, you've got a wonderful bride who uh, I know is, is a, a wonderful compliment to you and to your ministry. And, and it's always a, it's always a good time when you're with Pastor Chad and his family. So, <laughs> so that's good. So, if tell us a little bit, like 
if people want to reach out, contact you, or um, dial into or, or stream the radio station, that's possible, I'm assuming. I was listening to a little bit of it this afternoon just to hear what your selections were and so forth. And so how do they reach you? How do they get to you or yeah, how do they we're, get to the radio station? We're really easy to get in contact with. You can, um, the easiest way for most people is just tell your Alexa device, hey, Alexa, play WayFM. But you could also <laughs> go to our website at wayfm.com. If you want to access our prayer wall, you'll find a link to the prayer wall at wayfm.com as well. Um, we also have, if, if someone's really struggling right now, we have options on our website where people could go online and chat with someone. Um, we work through a ministry called Groundwire that does, um, they chat and will we'll encourage people who are in the midst of some trials immediately. Um, by chance, any of your listeners not um, have a Bible, we offer free Bibles at our websites. We, um, we're, we're wanting to just get in the lives of people and encourage them to love Jesus. Uh, it's so refreshing to hear what you're doing and how the ministry is framed, even just your approach to prayer and uh, you know, just how you're sort of managing all of those requests that are coming in. Uh, it seems to be well thought out, really grounded uh, in the scriptures and uh, just a good way to engage the body to actively participate with one another. I mean, that, that uh, statistic of 17 people praying for a posted request is, is very encouraging. Yeah. So, yeah. Ben, any final thoughts for us? Yeah. So they can, you know, if you want to learn more about Way FM, um, you know, either if you have a prayer request or, you know, we'd encourage our listeners to, to go and pray. And, you know, that's a, a, a valuable ministry. Uh, that's what strikes me is how many people are, are not just using that to let their requests be made known, but are then uh, going and interceding. And I think that's something to be encouraged by and something that, you know, if you're interested in doing, we would definitely encourage you to check that out. And, um, you, know, you never know. I think that's, I think that's, you know, we're starting to see these little pieces that you're encouraged by, like, you never know how prayer works and, and something like this, you know, I, I think at least in our experiences, right? Like we, we tend to just get so focused on this one little church, you know, and even if it's a big church, this one little church in this one particular area and, and to be made aware of how God is working in the world is a really healthy thing to get that perspective, to be encouraged. So I'm really thankful for you taking some time out of your week to talk with us and talk with our listeners about what you guys do and what God's doing really in the world. That's really encouraging. And so thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Can I leave with one quote? I was, I've been encouraged by this quote. It says, prayer is not something taught in a classroom. It must be learned through practice, repetition, trial, and error. And I think that's so important for people in the church. It's, we at times don't pray because we feel like we don't know how or that mm -hmm. we aren't good enough at it. And I don't think it's something that we're just good at. It's something that we do. And it's a really, and, and it, begin, it begins with a conversation. And so I think praying for other people is a great way to begin mm -hmm. that conversation where it's not so self-focused, but it's able just to seek the Lord on the behalf of others. Amen. So living well, learning well, all comes back to and is rooted in, in prayer. And that's really the theme that we want to accentuate as we, we wrap it up for today. So thank you so much for coming, Pastor Chad. And thank you, Ben, for making all this happen. And uh, we, we thank our listeners who follow us on a routine basis. So we're going to sign off and uh, be in prayer as well for one another as, uh, as we look to the Lord in these days that are very uncertain and very unsettling in many ways. 
Original music for this podcast was created by John Horton. Her graphics were designed by Virginia Stroud, and this episode was mixed and mastered by yours truly. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next time here on the Everyday Story Podcast.